Good morning, Applewood. This is Carrie. I'm on one of your screens. I don't know how it's showing up for you right now. Um, and Ellie and Nora and Grace are here. Phil and Rose are out on the back porch, so we're kind of split. There they are. So, so good morning. I'm so glad everyone could come. Um, one great thing is that so many of us can be here, so to speak, and more than maybe would have been in the church building at this time. So I'm, I'm happy for that. It's so good to see people's faces, and we're just happy you're here today. If you have somebody who wants to join our, our church service, who we may not know their name from the um, account that they use to log in, like a friend or a family member, just be sure to send us a quick message, and we'll be, be able to know who that is who's trying to come and watch our meeting. We just want to keep things secure. Um, so just a little reminder if you want to pass on the link to somebody. Uh, for joining us this morning, I'm excited to worship. And um, if you have any questions or need anything, just be sure to reach out. Like we said in the, in the leadership team email, um, be sure to ask for help if you need it. Be sure to reach out if you know anybody who needs help because we are, we are wanting to be that to you and to all who need help these days. So, all right, let's thank you for coming and we'll open in prayer and then we'll get started with worship again. Jesus, thank you so much for the technology to be able to meet together. And though sometimes it gets tiring to just be seeing faces on a screen without being together, we know that this is uh, a really good substitute while we wait. And there will be a day when we can be together again and we will be so joyful. Thank you, Jesus, to have that hope looking forward. We pray that that is soon. Pray for that to be sooner than later. Um, please help us all to enter into worship this morning, and thank you for Guy's message. Help us have our hearts open and ready to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.
Hey, good morning, Applewood family. Any of you who, uh, others who might be joining us from somewhere else, not normally a part of the Applewood family, we, we welcome you. We are glad that you're with us. You know, I have thought several times, as I'm sure you have as well, that this pandemic is a great opportunity for us to, to grow as the people of God, to to learn some things perhaps uh, at a deeper level than, than maybe we normally learn them or experience them, if I can say it that way. Personal health, trusting God for, for our health, doing all that we can to stay healthy and, and trusting Him. Uh, the health of those that we love, um, jobs and and financial security and, and, and a future that um, is just full of all kinds of unknowns. If you received the, the leadership team email this week, you know that, that one of the things that was mentioned was our, our church finances. Uh, it's no surprise to any of us that we are, are down in our giving at this point in time, but I want you to know that, that we're not worried. Uh, I am not worried. God is faithful. And this is one of those areas that, that we as his people can, can grow, I think, even more in, in our trust. Um, we were surprised by a delightful decision by National Covenant Properties this week. They have reduced the, the mortgage rate on our, uh, our loan with them from 5% to 4.25%. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, just a decision on the part of NCP to, uh, to bless us and, and some of the other churches that do business with them. So this morning, I just I want to say to you uh, that as we, as we wrestle with our finances, both individually and as a congregation, God is calling us to trust in Him. God is calling us to, to believe that He will provide for us and uh, to live into that faith, into that confidence. Um, I know Sharice and I have, have prayed and continue to pray. We want to, we want to give as faithful as we can to not only Applewood, but to the other uh, ministries that we support. And I know that, that many of you feel that same way. And you, you find that sense of, oh, can we continue to do this? And, and I'm not here this morning to, to tell you what you need to give. I never do that. Uh, but what I am here to say is that, that as God's people, we do want to be givers. You know, Paul was clear with the Corinthians that, that God loves a, a cheerful and generous giver. And so, so my Applewood family, uh, as we continue to wrestle through this times and finances for all of us being a part of that, um, may we uh, step up in terms of our understanding and our belief that God's going to provide and, um, and pray and seek him about what he wants us to continue to, to give and what that looks like for us. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to get started with another story this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, our exalted Lord, Holy Spirit of God who indwells his people, we thank you that you are our God. 
and that there is nothing that comes into our lives and surprises you, you have not once, not for a moment, wondered where this pandemic came from. And we are grateful that you are Lord of all, that you rule over this world, that you rule over all that is a part of the, the events that are going on in our world. And perhaps more importantly, and, and providing a great sense of comfort is that you rule over the lives of your people. You know your people, and you love your people, and you are at work uh, taking all of the circumstances that affect our daily lives, and you are working to bring glory to yourself uh, through us as we respond to them, uh, trusting you, trusting you to be our, our, uh, our rock, to be our shelter, to be our great physician, to be our provider. Lord, you are good, and we believe that, and we affirm that together today as your people. Thank you for your great love to us, demonstrated through the Lord Jesus. In his name we say thanks. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> well, a, uh, a, little, a little word association to start off this morning, okay? So, I say the word pizza, and you think I say the word automobile. And you think, I say the word romance. And you think, oh, I say the word pandemic. And you think, I say the word Broncos. And you think, if I say New England Patriots. Now, 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 don't get nasty. That is not appropriate. You don't need to go there. More than enough to stir emotions and feelings, to, to make us laugh, to make us cry, to make us angry, to make us fearful. Perhaps the biggest lie that we ever heard and, and probably spoke as children was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names, which are words, they'll never hurt me. Yeah, right. We don't believe that for a minute. Words can be like bombs that explode in us all kinds of feelings and emotions, depending on the association experiences, of course, that, that we have with those words. They, they both shape and reveal our thoughts and our feelings. Words, I think, are a window into our interior world. Communication studies suggest that words are really only about 10% of the communication process. Body language, facial expressions, those kinds of things are all a part of the communication package. But words being a 10% are, are incredibly powerful, 10%. We, we have experienced that in these days of, of distancing, have we not? We, we, we might be texting words more. We are emailing more. We are, we are talking on the phone more. We are Zooming and FaceTiming more. And, and it seems to me that we are... We are aware of, of the words communicating things correctly, communicating feelings, things that we want people to know. We are aware in these days of how powerful words are. So this morning, 
We want to look at our second post-resurrection story in this season of Eastertide. It's that 40-day period of the church calendar that follows Resurrection Sunday. And it comes from the words of Luke in Acts chapter 1, where he writes that Jesus gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them, them being the disciples and, and others who had joined in following after Jesus. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke. He used words about the kingdom of God. Words, important words. And of course he did, right? He spent a lot of time before his death talking about the kingdom of God. So, so why would he not do the same after his resurrection? That mysterious and wonderful place, the kingdom of God, where Jesus had spent eternity past. I don't know. It, sometimes I think eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. I said, is that even the right way to talk about eternity? Because it just encompasses everything. But do you know what I mean? He'd spent his pre-incarnate state with the Father and the Holy Spirit before he, he took on flesh and, and came into our world. So Jesus, the master teacher and storyteller, continues his, his teaching, his use of words for 40 days following his resurrection. And our story this morning, it's found in both Luke and Mark's gospel. But I've, I've chosen Luke's account because it gives us a lot more detail. And to be quite honest with you, I, I think it's really a fun story. It's, it's humorous. It's, it's really one of my favorites. And I, I think it has an important lesson uh, that for me at least wasn't evident clearly at first. But as I worked through this text throughout the week, I thought, oh, there's something here for me, for us in these pandemic days. And so if you would grab your Bible, wherever that may be, hopefully it's nearby, Turn to Luke chapter 24 this morning, and we're going to start with verse 15, excuse me, verse 13, Luke 24, verse 13. Um, you know, and I realized this week that I have forgotten to ask you to stand when we read God's word in these virtual worship services, and so I'm going to ask you this morning, wherever you are, if you can, would you stand? And we do that, of course, just out of love and respect for his words. And I've asked Pastor Sarah this morning if she would lead us in our reading. So, Sarah, wherever you are, I will turn it over to you. All right, I'm here, Guy. Wonderful. <laughs> now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, 
It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Amen. Thank. That's the Amen, and thanks be to God. Amen. Sarah, thank you. Thank you for leading us. So, Luke tells us that two of them were going to a village called Emmaus on that same day. Now, who are these two, and what day? Well. We don't really know who these two are, but the story that comes right before this in Luke's account is Resurrection Sunday. And the people that Luke includes in his account of the resurrection is the 11, and the so those are the remaining original disciples, and then all of the others with them is how Luke puts it. So there are others, as we know, who have, who have joined the following of Jesus. So the 11 remaining original disciples and all the others with them. And Luke records them being together with Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, telling them the message from the angels that Jesus is alive. Hey, by the way, we're still in Eastertide. Did you know Christ is risen? He has risen indeed. I didn't hear you. Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Well, I saw some mouths move. Okay, then I guess I'll have to do this this morning. But the 11, Luke says, and all the others, the 11 and all the others, did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Their words seemed to them, like nonsense, foolishness. So, 
What I think we can do this morning is we can reasonably assume that the two on their way to Emmaus are from that group. Because Lucas told us on that same day they were walking and talking. They're from that group, I think, of the others who did not believe the women. We know that the last few days in Jerusalem have been a total disaster from their standpoint. And they are, quite frankly, they're getting out of Dodge. Now, Emmaus was a small village about seven miles away. We don't know why they're going there. Maybe it's home. Maybe it just feels a whole lot safer than Jerusalem does at that point. We know that one of their names is Cleopas. And John's Gospel, he refers to a woman by the name of Mary who was married to a man named Clopas. Maybe the same person. We don't know. Maybe this is a husband and a wife. Maybe it's Cleopas and, and his wife. Uh, they do refer to the other followers, as we heard Sarah read, as our companions, verse 24, a little bit later in the story. But that is all we know. But let me remind you of something that is really important, and this just goes right along with my spiritual gift. I'm going to point out something that is very obvious to all of us, and we know this. Jesus knows them. Jesus knows them. Jesus knows their story. He knows all that has been a part of their lives from, from birth to this point. He knows why they are going to Emmaus. He knows their hearts and he knows their discouragement. He knows all the emotions. He knows everything that is driving their conversation and he knows the conversation too. He knows the very words that they are speaking. And sisters and brothers, I just think that it's, it's, it's worth being reminded of a truth that we, that we know and that we believe. But, but maybe we wonder, especially in times like this, if it really is true. Jesus knows us too. Now, of course, he is God, and he knows everyone in this world. But I want to remind you of this. Let's not forget that he knows us, those who are his followers, those who are his people. He knows us in a special way, those who belong to him, those who have put their faith in him. In these hard pandemic testing days. He knows us by name, and we are precious to him. Yes. I think one of the reasons that the post-resurrection stories are recorded in scripture, and this is just my theory, so we know, of course, that it could be wrong, but it's probably not. So we know that these, these stories are, are a part of scripture, and I think they're there to remind us that Jesus shows up in the hard times of life, he knows us, and he shows up. And there is no doubt in my mind that for those first followers, his death was the most difficult, the most confusing, and no doubt the most frightening event 
of their lives. In those days following the crucifixion, to be a follower of Jesus was downright scary. And what did Jesus do in those days? He showed up. He showed up often. Jesus shows up. And Jesus meets those whom he knows and whom he loves who are his people, who are special to him. And this is where I think the story gets fun and, and very, very meaningful. Luke tells us that Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. You got to love that. Jesus himself, writes Luke, <laughs> And I think he writes that for emphasis. This is not a dream. This is not an imitation. This is not a fluke. Jesus himself shows up. But they were kept from recognizing him. So do you wonder what is that about? Was it a lack of faith on their part? They didn't believe strongly enough, deeply enough, that's what they get for doubting, not believing the words of the women earlier in the day? Three words. Here's your answer. We don't know. But here's what I think. I think it is Jesus, the risen Lord, the one who has conquered sin and death for those who put their trust in him, that Jesus and no other Jesus is doing what he wants to do with an important purpose for the sake of those whom he loves. The risen Lord doing what he wants to do. And he's doing it in a way that, that explodes a truth in the minds of his followers. Those two, Cleopas and friend. So here's where you jump in this morning. Jesus asked them two questions. We heard this in the story. First, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Second, in response to Jesus' question, Clopas, of course, is just astounded. Really, are, are you the visitor, the only visitor in Jerusalem that has no idea of the events that have just happened? The things that are going on, and Jesus asks the second question, what things? All right, so I want you to just give some thought. Some of you are worshiping with someone else. Turn to that person. Talk about those two questions. What are you discussing together as you walk along? What things? What has gone on? Why does Jesus ask those questions? Okay. Well, Justin, I don't know. Do we, uh, do we have capability this morning to, uh, to hear from any of our folks? Any responses to the, to the question? Yeah, Sony has her hand up already. And then if anybody else has any thoughts, go ahead and go to that participants window and hit the raise my hand sign and All right. we'll get to you. All right, let's hear the first one. <laughs> go ahead, Sony. Oh, okay. I, I'll do it without crying like last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Sony. You can cry. It's okay. Um, no, I think... <laughs> Jesus knew the answer. He knows the answers. He knows everything. So <laughs> he wasn't asking for him to know. He was, I think he asks us questions so that we know what's in our hearts 
he's pulling it out of it. And uh, I just think at times <laughs> we don't, we're probably the ones that know ourselves the least and other people know what we want them to know about us. But really God is the one that, well, he and the devil <laughs> know us the best, but God is the one who knows us the best. And <laughs> I'm so glad that God knows me even far better than the enemy does. <laughs> far better, yes, yes. And Amen to I don't know, I think it's good for him to drag those things out of us so we can know what little we know or what. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, you know he's up to something there. So good, good, good thoughts. So um, anyone else want to chime in? Hers is so good. Sonia just pretty much said it for us. <laughs> All right, Rich, Benz, you're up. Well, this is, I think, the first example of um, disciples thinking about and discussing the meaning of Jesus' life and death and the events that they experienced um, walking with him, being with him, being in his presence. Okay. And I think that this is um, a, an example to us of how we as disciples are supposed to pursue um, not only knowledge of, but experience of um, God in Jesus Christ. Okay. And, okay. So I, th I think that this is... Um, you know, this disciple, the word comes from student. And so we have to really ponder mm -hmm. um, what the meaning of Jesus Christ is for each of us as yeah. disciples of Christ. Yes. yes, yes. Good, good. Thanks, Doc. I like that. I like that. Time for maybe one more, too. Anybody lined up? What's, what's our cue look like there, Justin? Come on, everyone. Let's let's hear it. <laughs> okay, well, <clears throat> I was thinking he's just looking for confirmation of what they actually realized after he had passed. Um, whether oh, or not they got it. that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do they get it yet? Yeah, it's, it's like a test, you know. Did you okay. pass or did you <laughs> yeah, it's no surprise. I mean, I mean, I mean, Jesus was always was always setting his followers up and mm -hmm. and and putting things before them that were going to cause a collision with what with what they believed versus who he really was, or what they thought about this or that circumstances versus what the reality of it really was. So. Yeah, I think good, good, good responses. I think Jesus, Jesus, knowing their conversation and knowing the discouragement that they were feeling, I think wanted to to draw them into a truth and and reveal to them something that they that they needed to know, or or perhaps to to remind them of a truth that they knew, but in the course of all that had happened, they had. They had forgotten, or perhaps just still didn't understand. And in our journey through, Mike's, uh, through, uh, through Mark's gospel, excuse me, we saw confusion numbers of times amongst Jesus' followers. So these two travelers, 
began to fill Jesus in on everything that he had so obviously missed in their estimation. <laughs> and I, I don't know about you, but I imagine Jesus just walking along with them and listening. He's listening closely and perhaps he's nodding his head. And, and frankly, I think he's probably trying really hard not to smile as they recount for him all the things that have caused them so much concern and discouragement. And what is their greatest source of grief? This shouldn't surprise us. We thought he was the one. We thought he was the one. But the chief priests and the rulers had him crucified. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Once again, we see a theme that we have seen often, and especially in our journey through Mark. Their hope in the one to come, the Messiah, the anointed one, it was a nationalistic political redemption. And all of that hope died with him. And then Jesus turns the conversation to the stunning truth. The truth that had tripped up all of his followers from the very first time they heard him speak it. He says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets to, to, to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? He took them back to Moses and the prophets. Ancient words. The ancient words that, in part, that we sang about earlier this morning. He took them back to Moses and the prophets, and he implied, I think, that the Messianic texts were all about him and what had just happened. He made application of their Old Testament scripture, the only scripture that they had, to himself as the Messiah. I think it's so interesting. He didn't rebuke them for not believing the woman. He rebuked them for not understanding that the one to come was not just a prophet. They had referred to him as prophet, Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet who was strong in God. He rebuked them for not understanding that he was more than just a prophet. He was the Messiah. He was the chosen one. He was the one to come in the language of some of the Old Testament. He was God's anointed one who died as a part of the plan from the beginning. Suffering Messiah, a part of the plan from the beginning. That may be a little bit easier for us to get our minds around than it was for those in the first century. And we've talked about this before. The idea that that God would come was an exciting idea. The idea that God would come and rescue and redeem was the hope of Israel. But 
they always had the vision that it would be a, a glorious celebration, that he would ride in on his conquering stallion, and he would get rid of the Romans, and he would esteem his people, and set up leadership, and finally the kingdom of God would have come to earth. But Jesus died. But Jesus died. The suffering of God for the salvation and the redemption of his people. And not just his chosen ones, but those for whom the plan of salvation was yet to be made known on into the future. And as they got closer to Emmaus, Luke tells us <clears throat> they were so taken with this stranger, they still don't know that it's him, that they begged him to stay with them. And when they sat down for a meal together, Luke tells us that Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. And it could be that them included more people in the household, perhaps maybe other followers. He began to give it to them, to distribute it to them. Their eyes were opened, and he disappeared. There's the risen Lord, once again, <clears throat> getting to, to do what he gets to do. My sisters and brothers, we, we started this morning and we were talking about the importance of words. And I did that because I believe this story reminds us that, that, when, that when we as God's people are having conversations about Jesus, we can expect that through the presence of the Spirit of God who indwells his people, the Spirit of Christ will show up in ways that encourage and strengthen us. I really do. As we live out these, these difficult days, how are we doing that? Where are we turning for encouragement? Where are we turning for the source of peace and, and strength that we need to face another day? Where are we turning when we have concerns about what the future holds and how long is this going to go on and how bad is this going to get? Jesus. Jesus is our source of encouragement. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our hope. And I think, for myself, and maybe you can relate, it's so easy to get caught up in all of the conversation that, that surrounds us in our society as we are seeking answers and seeking hope and seeking solutions and, and plans for this and plans for that and what can get lost in the midst of it all is the reality of where our hope is and in whom our hope lies. That's when it occurred to me this week that as these two were walking along discussing Jesus and as Lee mentioned, talking about all that had happened and, and what it meant for their lives and, and obviously living with great discouragement, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and says, this was the plan all along. 
I am not surprised by anything that has happened because it was my plan, is what he was suggesting to them. And then this great line, were not our hearts, when they, when they realized it was Jesus, and then he disappeared. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And don't you love that line? They were, they were so energized by Jesus showing up that they left their food. And immediately, writes Luke, they returned at once to Jerusalem. Do you think they walked slowly that seven miles back to Jerusalem? I think they, they ran full out as best they could. They found the 11. They found all those who were still gathered with them. And they said, it's true. The Lord has risen. Oh, my friends, my sisters, and my brothers in Christ. Abraham Kuyper was a 19th century theologian. And he wrote these words. There is not a square inch on the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, Mine. Mine. The risen and conquering Lord, the one that Paul wrote to the Philippians and said that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the truth in which we live our lives as God's people. And so, if I can close with where we started, back to the words. We can spend our time in casual conversations. It's fun to talk about our favorite pizza. It's fun to share and eat pizza together. It's fun to talk about our favorite teams and how they're doing or how they're not doing. And, and it's, it's great to talk about the cars that we love and yada, yada, yada. You know where this goes. But it seems to me that if we as God's people want to, to know and experience the presence of Jesus in significant ways that others will not, then we are going to find him in conversations that we are having intentionally with one another about him. If I can say it this way, Jesus loves to be the center of our attention. Jesus loves to be the topic of our conversation. And so knowing that, then are we being intentional as God's people about speaking the words of truth into one another's lives? You know, when we, when we call and check on one another, when we email or we hear from one another in that way, and there is concern expressed about the state of things, are we quick to remember that Jesus our Lord is in control? Are we quick to remember that Jesus our Lord has come for us and that in the midst of this, we can find great peace and great energy from his presence as he enters into our conversations and makes the truth of who he is known deeply to our hearts. His word 
and focus upon him, shaping our thoughts and our conversation together. I think that is a recipe for Jesus showing up in our lives in ways that perhaps we have not experienced before. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, our risen Lord, you who know us, you who have sent your spirit to dwell in us, God, we thank you. We thank you. Oh, creator God, Lord Jesus, the exalted one, that you are present in everything in our lives. But we confess that there are times when, when we really feel an extra urgency to know that and to experience that. Holy Spirit, you who live in us, would you remind us of the truths of who Jesus is for us? Would you remind us of the truth that is contained in your word, those ancient words? May we be people who, who are determined and, and intentional about sharing those truths together so that the presence of our Lord Jesus comes to life, igniting a flame and a warmth and a burning within our hearts because the truth has touched us anew, perhaps in ways that we have not been touched in a while. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it teaches us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your risen life. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in us. You don't desire to keep these things a secret, but to reveal them to us so that we can know them and live into them. To the glory of God, our Father. Amen. Blessings on you, my brothers and sisters. Allie, shall we sing? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the reminder that um, even for... Those of us who are not seeing each other regularly, maybe even are all alone at home, um, you're there, you're constantly with us. Um, we're, we're never alone because you are there. Um, we just ask, as Guy reminded us, that you would be constantly present in our thoughts as well. We know that you are with us by your spirit, but help us to be aware of you. Help us to... Um, to remind each other of your presence, your grace, your faithfulness, Lord. Um, help us to, to center our thoughts and our attention solely on you and to find our hope and our strength and our comfort in you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, we have a new song that we're going to do next, and um, the Wallace family recorded it for us. So, um, You'll be able to hear it really well. Unfortunately, no, you can't see it. So it's like one or the other. You either get to see them but not hear them very well, or you get to hear them but not see them. So anyway, um, so it's new. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and blessings on your week.
thank you, Wallace family, um, Ellie and Rose and Grace and Nora and Phil. That was awesome. Thanks so much for leading us. And Guy, I'm going to turn it over to you for the benediction. Okay. Thank you for being a part of worship this morning as God's people. We are not alone in these times. And we know that. We really do. We know that. But there can be moments, sometimes moments stretch into longer periods of time when, when our souls are struggling. Let's take advantage of the relationships that we have with one another to sing to one another's souls, as that song reminded us. Sing into someone's soul the truth and the life and the reality of who Jesus is to them when they are low. And when you find yourself being low, reach out to someone and say, sing to me, remind me of who Jesus is in my life, because this is a hard moment. Brothers and sisters, we are in it together. Our God is with us and he is for us and he is at work in these days. Praise be to his name for his love and his faithfulness. Amen.